will be reading the portion um, from the Lord Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper as recorded in Luke, beginning in verse 14, and we'll read to verse 23. Luke twenty-two fourteen. And when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves, Which of them it was that should do this thing? Thus far, may God bless the reading of his own word and the Lord Jesus, when he sat at the Passover meal, after having expressed the great yearning with which he partook of that meal with desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. These were some of the words that he said before he gave them the bread. He said it was his body in verse 19. And then this very memorable phrase. If if there is something that people usually remember about the Lord's Supper, sometimes you may see it engraved upon the very table where the elements are placed at the time of partaking. The Lord Jesus said, This do in remembrance of me. This, of course, he was referring to that handing of the bread and telling them to eat of it. And that that partaking of that bread, they were to have their hearts and minds full of thoughts of him. If you're with us, if you were with us last Lord's Day, you'll remember that we looked at one more of those figures of forgiveness in the Bible. And the one we considered was the one regarding God, declaring that He shall remember our sins no longer, the sins of His people no longer. Isaiah 43, 25, we read, says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will remember thy, and will not remember thy sins. He, he erases them from our record, and he erases them from his own memory. 
Sin as a record is obliterated. Sin as a recollection is actively set apart. That's what we considered last last Lord's Day. But remember, we also consider the reality that when God looked at Christ upon the cross, He remembered our sins very well. He remembered our sins, only they were not upon us, they were upon Him. And it's at the very moment that we consider what we're even remembering. We're remembering Christ, His death. And that is the moment on the cross where our sins were remembered. Only, bless the Lord, they were remembered upon Him and not us. And at that moment, we have our own remembrance to be done. Jesus says, "Do this do in remembrance of Me. In remembrance of me. That's, that's the phrase we want to consider this, this morning. These words of the Lord Jesus. This do in remembrance of me. Think of how all-encompassing this is. The Lord Jesus is saying, not specifically, remember my birth alone. He's, he's not saying, remember some of my miracles or even all of them alone. Or remember my death alone. He's saying, remember me It is, in essence, encompassing everything, of course, about Jesus. We are to remember all of the events and all of His character and all of His history, all of His purpose in being here, and and even His miracles and His messages, all the wonder and all the woe. But it's it's more all-encompassing even than that. Because if Jesus is saying, remember me, we're also reminded that part of this me is the reality that he is eternal, that he is God and man. So that he has a history before he has a history in terms of eternity. He existed with the Father and with the Spirit and with all the holy angels and even in the presence of all those who had already gone to be with him, all the spirits made right that is also who Jesus is. And he's saying, this do in remembrance of me. And that is part of who Jesus is. And we really have, in a sense, eternity to be thoughtful of. Well, there are three thoughts that can help organize our thinking. When we think of having to remember eternity, it seems quite daunting and, and in essence, impossible And there are things, of course, that we have no recollection about to be mindful of. But there are verses that Jesus declared. There are things that Jesus declared and there are verses that testify that can really put it into three categories, the things that we are to remember. And they are our three points, His works, and then His words, and then God's will. Jesus had pointed verses that really are all of the same category where he said the works that he gave me to do are the works that he do, does. He, he said in John ten thirty seven, Though ye believe not me, believe the works that ye may know and, and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. He, he made something of a summary of, of his works to be something that you look at. And then also he made a summary, as it were, of his words. He did say, I I don't speak what I want to speak. I speak what the Father gave me to speak. And always tying 
his works and even tying his words to God the Father, tying to eternity. But then we find other verses where he says that for him it is as if food to do the will of the Father. And of course the will encompasses the work and the words but we will have it our, as our third point, God's will, which is putting all of this together. What Jesus did on earth was the Father's will. So let us, let us remember the Lord Jesus Christ this Lord's Day morning, thinking of His works and thinking of His words and thinking of God's will. And at the sermon part, we will be thinking of His works specifically. Around the table, we will be considering some of His words and then also His will. And an understanding that we will never finish the topic because we're dealing with eternity and we are here in time because of our weakness. If if we were not weak, we could stay on and on and on. But let us think of his works, all of his works. This is what I begin with. Under, Under the topic, his works, we're thinking of all of his works. And this is how I want you to think of it. Beloved, if we, if we were here being, as it were, um, a group of authors writing about a man or a woman's biography, there would be works we would have to leave out. Either for the sake of our love of whom we're writing about, or our love for those who would be reading about that person. There is such a thing as not telling everything. Because there are things that are not worthy to be recorded. And because we just came out of a sermon where we saw that we believe in a God who does not remember our sins. Why would we pen down the sins of a friend or of someone? However far back in history, why do we have to remember everything? And we understand history is history and there are things that must be recorded. But you understand what I'm meaning. If you're the friend especially and the author, there may be things that you say, you know what, I don't think people need to know this. There are things that ears don't need to hear. But we're not talking about men and women of this world. We're talking about Jesus And and have you ever thought of that, that when you write about Jesus, you don't have to be embarrassed about anything you say? That's a sad thing about many in the church. They are ashamed and embarrassed, and they don't say everything that they should say about Jesus. But when you stop to think, there's not even a sigh that Jesus gave. There's not a tear that he shed. There's not a fear that he experienced. There's there's not a joy that he um, 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 had that we need to hold back because there will never be something shameful there will be never something that should be hidden everything that Jesus did was perfect it was pure and it is worthy to be remembered and we remember him in the most absolute sense we remember him in terms of his person he is God the son he is man We remember Him as Creator and Savior. We remember Him as the one who is to be remembered completely as prophet, as priest, and as king. All of His works encompass this reality. Um, There are works that are a man doing. 
but it is still God present. There are works that it is divine power, but there's still man present. And so it's in the fullness of who Jesus is. And and, and notice this about his works. In John 5.19 it says, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For what things soever he doeth the Father, these also doeth the Son likewise. His works revealed the Father to us. That is how, how majestic and divine were his works. They had elements in them that would reveal who the Father is. So when we see in his works him being loving, that is the love of the Father. When we see in his works him being kind, that is the kind of the Father. And when we see him saying the truth, that is the truth of the Father. It is the power of the Father. It is the reproach that the Father is giving to those who are needing to hear Reproach. So we must realize when we are to remember Him, and we begin even with thoughts before He even existed in earth as a man because He is also God. And this is where our thoughts are, are free to go to that which we see even in Scripture describing the glory of Christ even in heaven. We are given some glimpse of this when He's in the Mount of Transfiguration and He is so bright and shining. That is in essence revealing who He was in, in heaven before He came. And we are to remember Him and the fullness of His glory with, with the veil put aside and looking and, and seeing His head as we read in Revelation and His hairs that were white like wool and white as snow and His eyes were as flame of fire and His feet like unto fine brass and as if they burned in a furnace and His voice as the voice of many waters. So even, beloved, as you do... Think of Him with the bread and with the wine. See Him with the seven stars on His right hand. And see Him with that two-edged sword that comes forth out of His mouth, which is, of course, an, an emblem of the preached Word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, as I am proclaiming Christ here to you, there is something of Christ that is being manifest to your heart. Everything that is true of this sermon is the emblem of that is the fulfillment of that emblem of the sword that goes forth out of the mouth of Christ and look upon him as his countenance was as the sun shining in his strength and that's even where great elements of the power are pretty soon we will hold bread that will be breaking in our very hands and that is speaking of his humiliation of his suffering of his great great agony on the cross that he was broken and yet you are to think that he is the one whose countenance shines so brightly and so gloriously think in the absolute sense of his life lived. There's nothing that needs to be left in a dark corner, untalked about or unremembered. We don't need to be merciful to Jesus and not say this or not say that. Everything can be said. 
because of his perfect obedience. And we'll see that's even something of his very works. Now, let's talk about his miracles. Um, Boys and girls, I'm sure maybe what comes to your mind when you think of the works of Jesus, maybe that's what comes first. It does in my mind. His miracles, the things that he did, um, turning water into wine, making a few fish sufficient to feed 5,000 people. Those were the works of the Lord Jesus. They, they were miracles. And listen to John 10, 37. Though ye believe not me, and, and that would be the idea of, of what he was teaching in his very words. He says, believe the works that ye may know, and believe the Father is in me as I in him. See how he connects his works with the Father. And, and, and you see here the power of his works. There's, there's a preaching power in the works of the Lord Jesus as there is in the words themselves. Jesus even says, if the words, if you're having a hard time believing in me, I'm from Nazareth and, and I come from Mary, from, from a virgin w- woman, and, and all those things are hard for you about me, well, look at the works. Look at my miracles. Have you seen walking on water before? Have you seen commanding a legion of demons before? Have you seen the dead be risen to life. And someone could raise their hand and say, yes, I I heard Elijah did this. Yes. But he took quite a lot of pains to make that little boy come. But I just said, little girl, rise. And she did. And then again, the boy in the coffin. And he was restored to his mom. And then Lazarus, who was four days dead, Have you noticed that the resurrections of the Lord Jesus were many? Elijah and Elisha had one. Even there you see the miracles of Christ were of a whole complete category different from every other miracle. The miracles of the prophets, Moses and then Elijah, Elisha, they were mediate this is why Moses needed a staff. It was, it was like a token to the people. The power is not in me. The staff is like an emblem that I need God to open the sea. I cannot do it in my own strength. E- Elijah uh, passed on the mantle to Elisha. It was, it was an emblem that Elisha needed the spirit that came from Elijah. And Elijah needed the spirit that came from God. And that mantle was in a sense like a symbol to remind them that the power did not reside in them. But with Jesus, the miracles were immediate meaning no need of a mediator. They were independent of means. If Jesus used prayer, or maybe he used mud, it wasn't because he needed those things. He even said, I pray for your sakes. And when he used mud in the eye of the man, it was for a a specific purpose. It wasn't that he needed mud. So he could simply speak to someone to be healed, Or he didn't even have to see the person and they would be healed. And there were people who were healed who asked and were healed. There were people who had someone else ask for them and they were healed. And there were people who didn't ask and they were healed. Like that woman who who just grabbed his cloak. In her her heart she was asking. And even here it shows how the works of Christ proved his divinity. He he heard her prayer. He, he, He healed her without having heard her words. Here, 
her words. They were powerful. They were many. They were varied. Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves. He walked on water. He created food. He commanded the spirits. He commanded the sickness. He commanded even death. He reverted death's attack on people. You see, think of it. Death had been so power until Jesus. Everyone it touched, it took. Jesus saw people dead. He brought them back. When death came to him, he came back. They were varied and they were powerful and they were loving and they were caring. He loved in providing forgiveness for sinners. He he told people who came for healing, your sins are forgiven you, which is a greater miracle than healing them from their sickness. He loved in providing what sick people needed. He provided health. And and he loved in providing what hungry bodies needed, which was food. He, He loved, think of the great love to those souls who were tormented by spirits for many years, suffering so greatly. Prisons in their own, prisoners in their own bodies. And the Lord Jesus delivered them. What love that was. One man felt so loved, he wanted to follow Jesus wherever he went. And Jesus made him the first missionary of the Gadarenes. Now, not only his works, meaning his miracles and all of his works, but then thirdly and lastly, think of his obedience. I I did already say that everything about Jesus was obedient and holy, and we we don't need to keep anything in secret and no mysteries about Jesus. In fact, everything has to be declared. And if you are ashamed about Jesus, that says something about your sin and not about His. But we do need to speak of His works in terms of His obedience, because obedience proper was one of His works. It's, I'm sure you understand this. You've heard sermons. And, and I do need to touch on this because this is very important even to think of and remember at the Lord's table. It's part of what we have to remember. The Father sent Jesus on a mission, yes, to go to the cross. But in, in part of this mission was that he had to be obedient before he died there. You see, his living in obedience was so critical That even if he had gone to the cross, there would be no power to it if he were no longer obedient. Many people forego that part of the mission of Christ. They they focus on the cross. Of course, we should rightly focus on the cross, but it's always with the reality of his life and obedience. The first Adam disobeyed. When Adam and Eve sinned, death entered into the world, the first Adam failed. If he had not disobeyed, Adam and Eve would be able to eat of the tree of life and they would live. But see, they they failed and so we needed a second Adam. And the second Adam came. And see, the test began. He had to live an obedient life. We, we don't know for how long the probation would be for Adam and Eve. There's a mystery there, even in terms of, 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 of that. But we know that for the Lord Jesus, he, his whole life he was being tempted. And there were moments of greater temptation. And had he sinned a single sin, the cross would have absolutely no power whatsoever. 
And so when we think of his obedience as the, a great work of his life, that is something to be remembered. And, and this is how we need to think of it that becomes very personal. Um, it is on the basis of this righteousness that Jesus lived that he is able on the cross to give it to those who trust in him. Because he has this righteousness, he is able to give it and impute it to the account of those who believe. And, and this becomes a, a, a very much of a, of a parallel, but in a completely contrast of a way. When we think of our sins, it is the fact that we have them. It is the reality that they're tangible. They are sins that we have committed. There is a record. There, there is the reality that these sins must be dealt with. And because we have them, we can place them upon the cross. They are able by the power of the Father's mercy to be taken from your account when you believe in Jesus. And the Father imputes them upon Jesus. And there the Father remembers them. So much so that the day turned night. So much so that he felt forsaken of the Father. Boys and girls, when you hear Jesus saying, Why hast thou forsaken me? You can know that's the moment, in a sense, that is being recorded and revealed to us that God is remembering our sins. But on Jesus. But the the blessing is that it doesn't stop there. The righteousness that Jesus had. See, the righteousness of Jesus was also tangible. It was His righteousness. He didn't have a borrowed righteousness. He had His. He was tempted to sin in all points like unto us, but He never did. He, He obeyed. He always loved God. He always served God. He never was covetous. He never lied. He never lusted. He never stole anything. He never committed adultery. And, and so, having lived a life of purity, there on the cross, he has a, a righteousness that is like a cloak that he can give to the account of all who believe. The Bible again and again repeats, it is by faith. It is not our merit. It is not our doing good. It is not something that we achieve because the moment you think it is, you're sinning and you're not trusting him. You're trusting your achievement. But when you trust him, when you acknowledge there's nothing, I, I just lay my sins that's the something I contribute and I lay it at the cross I repent I forsake them I want nothing to do with that which is so evil and so ugly and so cruel and so bad and you receive his righteousness because his righteousness is a result of his works He came to do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father was not only to die, but it was also to live, to live an obedient life. Now as the Lord blesses us, we will look at some of the words of the Lord Jesus that we are to remember. There too, there's no end. There are so many words. But we will meditate upon some of them and then the will of God. But let us now come before the Lord in prayer. Our gracious, glorious God, how we thank Thee for having given us Thy Son, the Lord Jesus, whose every single work, whose every single word, every action, every thought is worthy to be remembered. 
Lord, we read that if all of the miracles of Christ or all of his works were to be recorded, the books, the world could not contain the books that could be written. Lord, we long for the days in which we may in heaven hear of them all and praise thee for it. But Lord, fill our hearts this hour with these works, his miracles, his goodness, his power. And also prepare our hearts, Lord, to think something of his words and the fullness of what all this means, which is the will of God. Lord, we confess this is where we have difficulties. Lord, every sin we commit, it is because we obeyed our will and not thine. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for everything that we do that is following our will and not thine own or the will of the world or the will of Satan, the will of evil. We confess it, Lord, all as sin. And we desire, Lord, also to remember our sins no longer. We want to place them at the foot of the cross. If we remember, Lord, what we want to remember is that thou art a God who doesn't remember them because they're blotted out. And we know, Lord, it is safe to remember that, that thou knowest them upon Christ. And there they were dealt with once and for all. Oh, Lord, how we thank that. There, there, there would be no other way we could ever partake of this table if it weren't for the thought, Lord, of thy forgiveness and thy grace. Lord, if it had something to do with our achievement, we would dare never come. We, we would never become worthy based on our worthiness. But we thank thee, Lord, that Jesus' righteousness is what cloaks us, what covers us. So help us, Lord, as we continue to read the form and that our hearts would be prepared as we partake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.